Hello, friends, and hi-fi from afar. It's me, Johnny, and I'm broadcasting from a spacecraft. I'm inside this sweet, green, dreamy spacecraft machine that I'm calling the Explorer. I hope that with this machine, I could figure out a way to travel through space and time. I'm thinking about going to the moon. I'm so curious about the moon and how long would it take me to get there. I thought the best place I should go to get going to look at the moon, maybe to get close enough to it, would be to go to the highest point in Philadelphia. And so I did. I took this sweet spacecraft to the highest point in Philadelphia which is at an intersection where two roads cross called Germantown Avenue and Bethlehem Pike. Right there by Summit, Summit Avenue, I found the highest point in Philadelphia that you could stand on with your own two feet, not climbing up inside of any building or anything, but just down to the ground, feet on the ground. And there I stood at 445 feet above sea level. That doesn't seem very high up, considering there are mountains that'll take you at least 3,000 feet up in the air. But for Philadelphia, this is the highest point that there is. And guess what I saw when I got there? Just like Robert Louis Stevenson and his poem about the moon, I saw a clock. It was, it was a giant clock tower. And beside the clock tower, all over the ground, were these beautiful round, brown, spiky seed balls. I wonder where they came from. I looked around and I finally realized that they fell from a tree called the sweet gum tree. Very curious tree, this sweet gum tree. And I looked at them, almost like pools of round, brown, spiky seed balls all over the ground, these sweet gums. And I felt like I could have been on another planet. If I think about the earth not being my home, trying to see it all for the very first time, as I meander about in my spacecraft, trying to get to the moon. Now, the moon is quite far away, and the moon is also quite large. It's not as big as the Earth. The Earth is pretty big, and it's round, and bigger than the moon. Think of it this way. If the Earth were, say, a basketball, then the moon would be a tennis ball. That is, if you're into sports and you know about those sorts of things. A basketball is generally orange and a tennis ball is generally green. Maybe you're able to see the size comparatively. I'll put it another way. The Earth is probably the size of a nickel 
and the moon would be, I don't know, like a, like a coffee bean beside that nickel. And to think a long time ago, the moon and the earth were a part of each other. And then something happened. I think a meteor or something like that hit earth and the moon broke off. And it was a piece that through gravitational forces pulled it all back together and it turned into a round ball that is now Earth's satellite and closest friend. Did you know there's only been 12 people to ever walk on the moon? Maybe there were others that we just don't know about. But the only 12 people that have ever been to the moon, well, it happened a long time ago, and no one's ever been back. It's been 48 years since a human being has walked on the earth. <laughs> I said earth. I wanted to say moon. It's been 48 years since anybody has walked on the moon. Would you like to be the 13th or 14th person to walk on the moon? You could. You just have to figure out how to get there. Get yourself a spacecraft. A nice space suit to keep you cozy and protected from the elements of space, which I've heard is very, very cold. It's a very cold place. And I've heard there's no wind there either. And I've also heard that space is very quiet. So, so quiet. Well, would you like to share some stories together in this quietness of space? I'm going to continue to adventure in my spacecraft, the Explorer, and hopefully find out more about the moon, the planets, and this big expansive space place. Because space is the place and it's everywhere and we're inside of it and it's inside of us and it's everywhere. But the moon is out there. And if you look up at the sky at night, you might be able to see it. Tonight, as I gaze upon the moon, I only see half of it. Where is the other half of that moon? Well, since we're talking about the moon and Robert Louis Stevenson, I would like to read you a poem by Robert Louis Stevenson called The Moon. And the poem goes like this. The moon has a face like the clock in the hall. She shines on the thieves on the garden wall, on streets and fields and harbor quays, and birdies asleep in the forks of the trees. The squalling cat and the squeaking mouse, the howling dog by the door of the house, the bat that lies in the bed at noon, all love to be out 
by the light of the moon. But all of the things that belong to the day cuddle to sleep to be out of her way. And flowers and children close their eyes till up in the morning the sun shall arise. That's a beautiful poem that Robert Louis Stevenson wrote so many years ago. He wrote that poem long before any person ever set foot on the moon. Would you like to hear some more stories? I have another for you. This story is not from that long ago. It's a story by Kitty Crowther. And it's a collection of stories to read in the night. Because I find the best time to see the moon and the stars is at night. You can see the moon during the day. Stars, well, the only star we can see during the day is our nearest star, which is the sun. Yeah, our nearest star is the sun. The sun that gives us all that warmth and all that bright light and helps the plants grow and us grow and all the animals grow. Oh, I love the sun. I love the moon. I love the stars. And I love stories. And this story, this story can be read anytime, but it's best to be shared at nighttime. It's a bedtime story. And there are three of them. Three wonderful stories by a writer named Kitty Crowther. And the stories are called The Stories of the Night. I hope you're cozy and I hope you enjoy this story. I think you will. Tell me three stories, please. Please, 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 asks Little Bear. Three, says Mother Bear. Yes, I said please three times. Please, please, please. Which story would you like first, asks Mother Bear. Um, the one that says it's time to go to sleep says Little Bear, and Mother Bear smiles. Of course. <clears throat> In the deep forest, not too far from here, lived a night guardian. Every evening, just before the moon began to rise, she banged her gong. Dong! Dong! It's time, said the night guardian, the time when little ones and big ones go to sleep. Two more minutes! Two more minutes! Two more minutes, I'm still playing! begged the fish. You can leap some more tomorrow said the night guardian. Dong, dong. 
Time to go to bed, little ant. I just need to get this one piece of a petal, called a tiny voice. Well, quickly then, sleep will be with you soon. And the little ant ran to fetch his petal. And a huge yawn filled his sweet black face. Then he trotted back to his underground town. Dong! Dong! Time for bed, small ermine, said the night guardian. Your mother is so tired. But I'm not tired at all, complained the ermine. Go to bed and then your sleep will catch you, said the night guardian. Your lovely mother will bring you an egg for breakfast. Yum, called the ermine as she dived into her mother's warm, soft fur. Dong! It's time. Dong! The sky is all black now, but we can count on the stars to lead us into tomorrow. Dong! Dong! The night guardian went back to her snug little cave. Bet at last, it was her turn now to search for a star to follow across the night sky. The night guardian shot up in bed. <gasps> but who will tell me when it's time to sleep? She burst out laughing. Every night the same thing. It was time for her secret ritual. Carefully. She took her gong and made the softest, most delicate dongings that you've ever heard. Dong, dong, dong. She listened for a while, and then she put away her gong, lay down, chose a star, and fell asleep. That was the first story by Kitty Crowther. I hope you liked it. Right now I'm peering out the moon roof of my spacecraft. And I, I can see some stars, but not a lot, because the city emits a lot of light pollution right here in Philadelphia. You have to go away from the city lights to see the stars beautifully. And when you do, when you're far away from all that light pollution, then you can really gander at the stars. Our next story by Kitty Crowther is about to start. So hopefully you're feeling nice and cozy. It goes like this. The night guardian never tells me when it's time for bed, says Little Bear. It's always you who does it. That's true, said Mother Bear. Okay, now for the second story, says Little Bear. 
tell me the one with the little girl with a sword who gets lost. Okay. It was berry picking day. And Zora's mother had asked all of her children to collect red and black berries or the dark blue ones. Zora dreamt of finding a dark blackberry. But in this corner of the forest, there were none. Oh, I must go further, over by the lakes, she thought with pride. I've got you now, Zora exclaimed. She had discovered the most beautiful blackberry in the whole forest, but now she had to find her way home, and she was not at all sure how. Oh, where am I? Zora asked herself. She had been going in circles for hours, fighting through brambles, ferns, and nettles, and then she heard a rustling sound behind her, and then a branch cracked. Zora shot off as fast as her legs would carry her, clasping her sword and her basket close. That's a pretty sword, said a familiar voice. Oh, it's you, Giacomolo, said Zora, barely breathing. You're a long way from home, Zora, said Giacomolo. Would you like to come to my tent and share that delectable blackberry? Perhaps, said Zora, looking at the delicious black fruit. We should go soon, though, whispered Giacomolo. There's a hungry, grumpy owl close by. How big is this owl? asked Zora. Giacomolo just stared at Zora, eyes wide. What are we waiting for? Let's go. They came at last to Jocko Molo's pine branch tent at the top of the tallest tree in the forest. Zora was not at all dizzy. She was so happy to be there. And now we'll sleep, said Jocko Molo. After a while, he added, Comfy, huh? Oh, yes, actually, um, n no, no, I'm not, replied Zora. Zora snuggled under a leaf and fell fast asleep. She felt safe. At dawn, she heard her brothers and sisters calling her in the distance. She was so excited to tell them about their, her adventures, but her bed was snuggly and warm, so she stayed just a little longer. Right now, being here was perfect. I love blackberries almost as much as I love honey, cries Little Bear. Can we go and pick some soon? Of course, says Mother Bear. So the third story. Which one will it be? Ooh, can you tell me the one with the man in a big coat who never sleeps? The man with the big coat who never sleeps. The Third Story by Kitty Crowther.
I hope you're feeling cozy and you enjoy these stories out there. There was once a little man called Bo, who never took off his coat. He lived in a nest that had belonged to a grumpy old owl. Bo had exchanged his small silver watch for the nest. The owl had left a few feathers for Bo's bed before packing her suitcase and leaving the tree forever. Every night was the same. Despite the soft feathers, Bo found it impossible to get a wink of sleep. Bo went into the woods to look for some sleep. Deep down he knew this would take him a while, at least until sunrise. As Bo reached the shore, he wondered if his friend Otto, the otter, was still awake, writing poems on stones and throwing them into the sea. Still having trouble sleeping, called Otto. Yeah, sighed Bo. Otto turned to the open sea and said, Why don't you go for a swim? I think it's far too chilly, grumbled Bo. Go in with your coat on then, suggested Otto. Well, the water sparkled beautifully, and Bo stood up, took off his shoes, gave his hat to Otto, and waded into the water. And Otto chuckled. <laughs> Bo swam for a while. He felt so happy and light as a feather under the water. That's when he found one of his friend's stone poems. He tucked it into his pocket, and then he swam up to the surface. As Bo left the sea, he saluted his friend and said, You must keep my hat. But it's your best one, said Otto. Don't worry, I have others, said Bo. And he headed off home. Hey, Otto, Bo called from the distance. I found one of your stone poems. And Otto waved his new hat. Bo was delighted to be back in his bed. The moment his head touched the pillow, he sank into a deep sleep. He didn't ask if this was because of the night swim or because he had found one of Otto's stone poems or because he had such a wonderful friend or even if it was a mixture of everything. He must be happy now, says Little Bear. Oh, yes, replies Mother Bear. I wish I had a stone poem, says Little Bear. Well, if you like, we can make one tomorrow. But now it's time for you to sink into a deep sleep. Mother Bear kisses Little Bear and whispers, Choose a star to lead you into tomorrow. The end. Oh, friends.
Kitty Crowther wrote a beautiful story. Three of them. Each one of them was very magical. I really liked all the donging from the Night Guardian. And I do think that the stone poems and the choosing a star to lead you into tomorrow are beautiful sentiments. I like those thoughts. It's magical. And I do like how Zora, when she was laying in Jocko Moko's bed, really enjoyed just being there. And just decided to close her eyes and fall back asleep in that wonderful place. Well, friends, broadcasting from the Spacecraft Explorer has been a wonderful, wonderful moment. And I will continue to share stories and adventures from Spacecraft Explorer as I continue to explore the moon, space, stars, and everything around me. Until we are together again, high five from afar, Johnny. <laughs>